Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Anybody else? It's called Hell Week. Soldiers are pushed to their absolute limit physically and mentally and emotionally. They are forced during this time of training to operate with basically no sleep. During the course of these days, they are put through what are called evolutions or exercises in which the the commanders try to exhaust them and stretch them. They make them run obstacle courses that we would never be able to complete. They make them to go on, on underwater swims for long distances, and they make them go on forced hikes in full battle packs. I mean, the packs weigh 80, 90, 100 pounds, and they make them do forced hikes. And, and that's just a sample. That's just a snippet of what they do during the course of this t time of training where these soldiers try to become part of what is one of the most elite segments of military in the United States called SEALs, the Navy SEALs. They put them through this week and force them to go through this grueling time. It lasts for five solid days. And basically, there are only two ways to escape Hell Week. And the first is, is that what you do is you complete the course and thus by completing the course in those five days together, you graduate from those five days and you become a Navy SEAL and you get to join their forces. But the second way is the more opted choice and that choice is to ring out. In fact, what we discovered is that 70, on average, 70% of all the candidates that try to become SEALs ring out prior to the end of these five days. They, they are overtaken and overcome by pain, and so they give up. They are overstressed, uh, and they lack the endurance, and the lack of sleep begins to play with their mind and do tricks in their mind, and they come to this place that they cannot think clearly, and it clouds their thinking, and they give up, and they throw in the towel, the pressure's too much, and 70% of them walk forward in front of everybody and ring the bell three times. They give up, they quit, they give in, they fail, they bail out, they fail to complete 
their mission. They refused to stay the course. They faced the tough circumstances and they crumple and they walk to the bell. And just like on the video, they walk to the bell and they ring it three times signifying, I quit, I give up, I'm done. We thought it was going to be easy. We were convinced, I don't know why, but most of us were convinced that the moment that we met Jesus, our life would become easy and everything would become like a bed of roses and it would become a cakewalk. And from that moment forward, we would never have another trial. We would never face another hardship. We would never have to endure anything again. And so we have come to the conclusion that this is going to be an easy journey. No problems, no obstacles, no challenges, nothing that we can't handle, nothing that we can't endure. And so we think that we have now, when we get to know Jesus, we have never now joined the elite special forces, and we have, and we think that we get to graduate into that rank, and there won't be any problems ever again. We should know better. We should be smarter than that. We should understand that, that it's not exactly like that. Newsflash, this is news for some of you. Just meeting Jesus doesn't make your life easier. I had two amens. Uh, if you haven't figured that out yet, when you meet Jesus, sometimes things get harder. We should have known that because there are countless examples that teach us that fact. In the Old Testament, we read about a man who was a man after God's heart who loved God with every bit of his being. He pursued God with all of his heart. He was constantly, 24 hours a day, it seemed like, engaged in worship, intimately involved with God, close to God's heart, and called a man after God's own heart. But the, the trial comes. He's supposed to be at battle. The Bible says that it was the season when all the kings were supposed to be at war. It was supposed to be easy. But instead, David is standing on a balcony and he's watching a beautiful woman take a bath. And suddenly David walks to the bell and he rings out and he gives up and he cashes in and he quits. In the New Testament, we read about a young man that had the opportunity of a lifetime. His opportunity was that he could join one of the greatest missionaries in the history of mankind on one of his mission trips. Can you imagine the opportunity to travel with the Apostle Paul? Can you imagine the sights you would see? Can you imagine the signs and wonders you would experience? Can you imagine the conversions that you would encounter and experience firsthand? You would get to see throngs of people giving their heart and life. To Jesus he had a chance to see the sights he could have witnessed all of those things he could, he could have helped out with the crusades but the New Testament says that Demas quit and, and if you allow me to use Steve Ely's version of what happens he runs home to mommy the Bible says that he loved the world so much that he turned and ran home but in essence what he did was he walked to the bell and he <laughs> rang out and said I can't take it anymore you know, history teaches us too she was powerful this lady was so powerful that on her own abilities and her own giftedness and talents she built a bible college that had 1500 students enrolled every time she would pick up a microphone and conduct a crusade service throngs in fact the average was that 20,000 people would come out to listen to her speak that's pretty impressive 
she was so powerful that she began to impact and influence Hollywood and, and actors, actors and actresses would come to her meetings and they would get saved and they would go back to Hollywood and it would change the roles that they played and the art that they made and she was having an impact. Her meetings were marked by signs and wonders. She, was, she began a denomination called the Four Square Denomination. Some of you have heard of that. It was the 1920s, which makes it extremely significant that a woman was so powerful because then women weren't looked at as equal to man. And so it was increasingly and more powerful that she had that ability. But Amy Simple McPherson couldn't take it. Even after starting a Bible college that grew to 1,500, even though she was having meetings with 20,000 people in attendance, even though her ministry was marked by signs and wonders, you go back and read history and you discover that she died of a drug overdose after staging her own kidnapping. That's how she ended her life. She couldn't take it. She walked to the bell and gave up. She quit. There's another account. This young man was 17 years old when it happened. This young man had longed with everything within him to preach the gospel. And he kept bugging his pastor. Every week he'd go up to his pastor and say, I got to preach. God's called me to preach. Please let me preach. And he would never let him preach. And after months and months and months after bugging him, finally his pastor made an arrangement with him. He said to this young man, okay, Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, this is how we're going to do it. You come to church. I'm going to preach the message, and when church is completely over and the last amen has been said, I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to dismiss everybody, and whoever sticks around after service at that moment, I will give you the microphone, and then you can preach. That's a great way to get to start your ministry, isn't it? So his pastor got up, preached his message, dismissed the service, and 17 young people were all that stayed. And he handed the microphone to this young man. And the only thing that this, could, this young man could get out of his, his mouth was at the top of his voice. All he could say was, I love Jesus. And he just said it over and over and over again. But something interesting happened. As he began to do that, that love for Christ got down in the hearts of those 17 students. And when the service finally ended and they went home, an interesting phenomenon took place. It's called the Welsh Revival. It's one of the most powerful revivals that has ever swept our planet out of that one meeting with 17 students this young man was launched into national and international ministry and in the first year in the first year of this revival alone a hundred thousand people gave their hearts to Christ when a young man by the name of Evan Roberts would stand up and declare I love Jesus people would fall on their knees and get saved it had sweeping implications for the community the crime rate dropped oh god let us have a revival like that again drunks were saved bars begin to shut down because nobody was visiting them think about that a moment that's how powerful this revival was bad language disappeared and didn't return to people that had gotten saved it was reported that the the workers in the coal mines that their horses wouldn't obey them anymore because they quit cussing them and the horses didn't understand what they were saying. It was reported in the newspapers that coal mine ponies refused to obey their masters because they wouldn't cuss them anymore. Football and soccer and rugby became an afterthought and leagues were closed because people were more concerned about God. It was a powerful moment in our history. It swept the world for 10 years. 
10 years from that Wednesday night until the completion. It swept the world. But Evan Roberts only lasted three. He was burnt out. In fact, at the end of his life, he began to write books denouncing the very move of God that he had ushered in. He threw in the towel. He quit. He walked to the bell and said, I can't take it. I can't make it. This is too hard. And then I'm reminded in my own life of a man that impacted me. He was a pastor. He was a godly man. I was about 16 years old. I was living in Anadarko, Oklahoma. And every year we had youth camp out there in Anadarko. And this man, out of his own busy schedule, would take time and come to be a youth camp counselor. If there was ever a role that you need anointing on your life for, that's the one. And he would come to those camps and he would love on us and he would spend time with us in the dorms and he would stay up late with us and he would laugh with us and when we would run to the altars, he would cry with us. I can still remember going to the altar seeking God and every time I would get up, I would feel a hand on my shoulder and I would look around and it would be this man. His name was Don Green. He was my hero. He was a spiritual mentor. He believed in me. He prayed for me. He longed for what God had for me. But a few years after camp, I found out that the pressures of ministry was too tough and this preacher threw in the towel and now no longer is he a preacher. He switched occupations to a mortician. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a mortician, but I want you to see the picture. Someone that was speaking life into young men at youth camp is now dealing in death and his marriage crumbled and he ends up in divorce and he's out of the ministry. He's no longer a spiritual giant. He's no longer my hero because he walks to the bell and says, you know what? This is too tough. I got to quit. I can't make it. We should have known that it would be hard. We should have known that it would be difficult. But before we point fingers... And before we shake our heads in contempt and say, they shouldn't have given up and they shouldn't quit, I need you to understand something this morning. I need you to understand that all around us, people are quitting all the time. Did you know that right now, on the average, there are 1,500 pastors a month that quit the ministry? They're burned out. They're disillusioned. They're mistreated by the flock. They're hurt, their heart is broken, and so they throw in the towel and they ring out and they say, it's too difficult, I can't do it. But I've taught you something, I've said this, I don't know how many times I want you to catch this this morning. Whatever happens in the pulpit, happens in the pews. Do you understand this morning that not only are there 1,500 pastors ringing out on average every month, I want you to hear that you are just as likely to quit as the pastors. Did you know? That right now, for a variety of reasons, that 70% of those between the ages of 22 and 30, which is most of our congregation, 70% of those between the ages of 22 and 30 drop out of church every year. Quit attending altogether. And then what happens in our homes happens to our children. Did you know that in the most recent surveys that they discovered that 98% of teenagers who attended church on a regular basis for most of their life, by the time they became a, become a sophomore in, high, in a college, will backslide and leave church never to return again? 98%. Whatever, for whatever reasons, we ring out and we quit and we give up and we throw in the towel and we say, this is too difficult and I cannot 
make it. And then there are those of us, oh, hang on. There are those of us that keep coming to church, who physically walk on the property every week, who physically stand in a sanctuary every week, who physically are in the building, but they've rung out emotionally and they've rung out spiritually and they've rung out relationally and they don't connect with God and they don't engage with each other and they ring out and under the sound of my voice there are some of you that are sitting here week after week but the reality for your life is that you've given up and you've rung out and you've quit oh I know you're here but you're not here too many of us quit too many of us give up too many of us throw in the towel. For some of us, what we do is we allow the cares of life to invade our life and it causes us to quit and say it's too tough for some of you that you get your eyes on people and people disillusion you and they're not all that you thought they were and the pastor wasn't as holy as you thought he was and the church member wasn't as nice as they should have been and we get our eyes off of God and we get them on people and we allow that disillusionment to cause us to want to quit and give up and we disconnect throw in the towel and for some of us it's the sweet taste of temptation it's drugs or alcohol or sex or lust or depression or anger or fear or pornography or peer pressure all those things assail us and what we discover is that over a course of a period of time we ring out we quit and for some of you it will be pain that causes you to throw in the towel. It may be physical sickness that has wrecked your body to the place that you go, you know what, I can't endure anymore. I give up. I quit. For some of you, it will be a broken heart. For some of you, it will be a broken marriage. For some of you, it will be a broken dream. For some of you, it will be something broken in your life. Causes you to ring out. Quit. But I want you to understand this morning that if you walk to the bell and ring out, it doesn't just impact you. I need you to understand this morning that you are not an island. You are not all by yourself. You are not so isolated from everybody else that, that when you ring out, it doesn't impact anybody else. Can I illustrate it for you this morning? Tina, would you stand up for me real quickly? Tina Baker leads our prayer ministry. Let me put it to you like this. If you're sitting here and you're in relationship with Tina or maybe you're not in relationship with her, you've just watched her from afar. And you would say, you know what, Steve, if I found out that Tina threw in the towel, walked away from God, said, I'm not going to serve God anymore, walked away from her family or whatever the other scenario could be, I'm going to throw in the towel, I just can't live this life anymore. If you found out tomorrow morning that that had happened and it would discourage you and it would hurt you in your heart and that would cause you to want to cry and quit too, I want you to stand up. Where's Woody's already standing? If you're in the room and you're in relationship with Woody, and if you found out that Woody tomorrow backslid, went off on some binge, I don't know what kind of binge he might be going on, but he's off on some binge and he quits the ministry. He's our youth pastor. He quits the ministry, has no impact on young people anymore. He, he devastates his own life, destroys his life, and that would cause you to question your faith and go, you know what? I'm heartbroken and I'm devastated by this and this impacts me personally. I want you to stand up. Now I want you to look around. Two people. Look around. Two people. 
impact this many people in the body. You may be seated. You've got to understand something this morning. When you fall, when you throw in the towel and say, I can't do this anymore, I'm not going to live this any longer, and you come to the bell and you ring out, don't just impact you. You don't just impact you. Others will stumble and fall because of you. We need you. You cannot buy the lie from the enemy that you won't be missed if you don't show up. You cannot buy the lie of the enemy that if I just slip and fall, it won't hurt anybody else. We are counting on you. We need you. We are depending on you on you you are part of our body and part of our life and if you ring out it impacts the rest of us don't quit don't give up don't ring out you are called to finish you are called to complete you are called to graduate into victory you are called to endure our text this morning is Matthew chapter 24, verse 13. says this, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. It does not say that those of us that run to an altar because everybody else in the room was going to the altar and we succumb to peer pressure, we will be saved. It doesn't say for those of us that dance harder than anybody else and shout louder than everybody else and worship harder than everybody else, they shall be saved. It does not say the most gifted, talented, pretty, anointed people shall be saved. It says those that endure to the end will be saved. It says to us that those of us who battle, those of us who fight it out, on a weekly basis, those of us that hold on with everything we've got, we are the ones that in the end will be saved. This is an endurance test. That's what this is. We have to endure. Paul, make, Paul makes it very clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 24 through 27, I'm not going to read it all to you, but it's just as this. He says, many run the race, but the ones who win are those who train strictly, who are willing to beat their bodies into subjection, lest they quit and give up. This is an endurance test. Then in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, the man of God pleads with us, and he says this, And let us not be weary in well-doing. How many of you know you can do the right thing and still get tired? How many of you know you can do the great things of God and still get tired? And the writer says, Don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season, that means you're going to have to wait a while. That means you're going to have to hold on. That means you're going to have to endure when nobody sees what you do. That means when people make fun of you, you still got to hold on. That means when people ridicule you, you still got to hold on. That means when people talk bad about you, you've still got to hold on because in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, challenges us to run with patience the race that is set before us. Can I encourage you this morning? Can I give you a clue in this morning? It's not a sprint. This thing called Christianity that we want you all involved in is not a mad dash. It's not a 100-meter dash. It's not even a 400-meter dash. It is a 
marathon. We're trying to see who can make it to the end. We're trying to press you and stretch you and grow you and cause you to just hang on with everything you've got. It's an endurance test. Long after all the crowds had left and all the cameras had been turned off, there was this lone runner that entered the stadium to complete the 26-mile-long marathon in the 1968 Mexico City Olympics. He was so far behind because early on in the race, he had tripped over something and fell down and dislocated his knee. Think about that just a moment. And so for the next miles, however far along he was in the race, hours long, for more than an hour after everybody else had finished, he comes stumbling into the uh, arena. Everybody's gone. It's just him and a few other people cleaning up the arena and he stumbles in in pain and he stumbles across the finish line just barely making it. His name was John Stephen Aquari of Tanzania. He finished dead last and most of us would say he's the loser because you're supposed to win. But I want you to hear very carefully his response because somebody went up to him and said, why didn't you quit? Why didn't you just lay there? You were injured, man. Your, your knee was dislocated. Everybody would have understood if you hadn't finished the race. I want you to hear he wasn't a loser. He was a winner. I want you to hear his statement. His answer was this. My country did not send me 7,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 7,000 miles to finish the race. We always want to quote that God will never forsake us and will never leave us. And the truth is he won't. But he didn't begin a good work in us for us to bail out on him halfway through the journey either. He started something in us so that it would finish and be completed in us. And he is counting on us to endure till the end. Those that endure to the end shall be Saved. I love Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. You could probably quote it, but it basically says that if we learn to wait on the Lord, we shall not faint. It teaches me that I have to be patient. It teaches me that through the endurance moments of this journey, yes, there are, are mountains, but how many of you know that the only thing that a mountain is good for is a view to where we're going? We don't get to live there. We make progress when we come off of the mountain and go into the valley and begin towards the next mountain. So the mountain is only good for a view. There are good moments in this walk, but I want to tell you that as good as they are, there are down moments in this walk when we all want to give up and quit. But Isaiah teaches us that if we will wait on the Lord, if we will trust in Him, if we won't give up, if we put our endurance in His hands and say, I refuse to quit, that He will come alongside of us and strengthen us. I prophetically declare over you this morning individually. I prophetically declare over you corporately. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 39. I think this describes who we are. It says, you are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. But of those who believe and are saved, you will endure till the end. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and you will not faint. You will do mighty exploits and you will take territory for the kingdom. And you will win great victories for our God. So how do we keep from walking to the bell and say, you know what, Steve, it's too hard. 
I quit. I ring out. I'm done. How do we quit? How do we, how do we keep from quitting and giving up? I'm going to mention six things like this. You better write them down quickly in your little program if you want to remember them. I'm not going to elaborate much. These are the keys to not quitting, not giving up. Are you ready? Number one, stay in packs. There's strength in numbers. We are called to guard each other, to watch each other, to help others run well. Get your eyes off of yourself and your own pain and your own hurts and your own disappointments will disappear. When we become self-absorbed, we quit. Run in packs. You can call them pods. You can call them accountability groups. You can call them small groups. You can call them your coffee group. I don't care what you call them, but you've got to get in a pack and run together. The second thing is you got to pace yourself. I've already mentioned this. It's not a sprint. Take a deep breath. Enjoy the scenery. This is a long journey. Pack a lunch. Get supplies. Because it's going to be a long trip. The third thing is remember and celebrate the victories, big or small. It's easier to complete the course if you remember that you've already won some victories along the way. If I remember the good days, if I can think about the good days. I've told you before in Deuteronomy, Moses reminds the people to remember 18 times. He says it, remember what the Lord has done for you. Why? Because it's easier to complete the course when you remember what God has already done. Celebrate victories. Number four, keep your eyes on God and not on man. You aren't in this journey because of me. You aren't in this journey because of your spouse. You aren't in this journey because of your friend. You are in this journey because of God. And if we get our eyes, I, can't help, I can help you on the journey, but I didn't start this journey for you, and I can't complete this journey for you. You've got to complete it for yourself. Get your eyes. I will disappoint you. Don't say amen. I heard it. See, I've already disappointed some of you. I've said this before. Y'all think I glow in the dark. The truth is I get mad, and I get mouthy with my kids, and I get angry when I'm behind the wheel, and I have my own issues and my own problems and my own hang-ups. But you aren't called to follow me. Oh, I understand what Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And I'm trying to live that out in front of you. I understand that application. But hear me this morning. You aren't a Christian. You're not on a spiritual journey because of me. I've been called to shepherd you. I've been called to help you on the way. But the reality is, is if I'm not in the picture, you're still called to follow Christ. You aren't on this because of me, and you're not on this because of your spouse either. So if they mess up, come on now. The next thing, quickly. Number five, we don't like this one. Trust God's timing. If we put God on our calendar, we will be discouraged. Because he's never early. Oh, y'all know this. And he's never late. He's always right on time. Why do we say that? Because he's not on our time. We're on his time. And so if we try to put God on our timing, we will be disappointed. But if Isaiah is a reality and we wait on the Lord, what if he doesn't come through when I want him to? That's fine. He's God. You're not. You've got to trust his timing. The sixth thing, y'all aren't going to like this one, but I had to put it. Toughen up. <laughs> Don't quit so easily. 
Get thick skin. Grow up. Boy, if I was preaching to young people right now, I could get really blunt, so I'm just going to say it like I'm feeling it. Get your big girl panties on. Have y'all ever heard that? Grow up. Some of us want to quit every day, every little obstacle, just a little bitty speed bump. It's not, not a big old hurdle, little bitty ones. They're about this tall, and we trip over them and go, I quit. That's it. Everything goes wrong for me. It's never going to be good. It's all about me, man. I'm mess. Grow up. Some of you need 94, 100 hours of counseling with a pastor somewhere, and then I might be able to make it. Grow up. You don't want to counsel with me because I'm going to look right at you and say, get over it. Grow up. Get some thick skin. Mature. That's the only way we make it. We let everything derail us. We ought to be stronger than that by now. Some of you have been saved since you were in diapers. You ought to be stronger than that now. If you just got saved, then we'll give you some grace. We're supposed to. For as you move from milk to meat, we will wait on you to mature. But some of you have been in this journey for decades, and it's time to quit acting like a snot-nosed little baby boy or baby girl. Grow up. I know y'all can't shout me down now. Y'all want me to sugarcoat and say, it's okay, you're going to make it. We all need encouragement, we do. But I don't need the same level of encouragement as I did when I first got saved. Because you know what I found out? God is faithful. God is sure. His word is true. And so now I'm more like David. When I'm discouraged, I don't need anybody to come by and go, come on, bro. You can make, oh, come on. I'm so No, I pull myself up and encourage myself in the Lord. Toughen up. If it's really bad, come see me. If you need somebody to love on you, come see me. I'll try to do my best, or I'll take, take you to my wife who does really good at that. That's why he put us together, right? I'll send you to Woody. Woody's got that gift, too. He'll love all over you. And then, then you come see me, and I say, grow up. I'm not, I, my bark is worse than my bite. Bottom line is, hear me this morning. I'm looking for lifers. I'm looking for people that will square their shoulders and put their head back and say, you know what, I refuse to quit. Come hell or high water, I am going to walk this thing out. Ridicule me if you want to, but I'm still going to stay in this journey. Ignore me and I refuse to main, remain quiet. Beat me down and I'll get back up. Turn your back on me and walk away. Though none go with me, still I will follow. I need some lifers. People who refuse to quit. When the trials of life that come, they say, I ain't touching that bell. I refuse to ring out. That's who I'm looking for. Who can endure hardship and pain. Who can endure death. Who can endure disappointment and cry tears and feel real pain. But through the course of that pain go, I know one who has been so faithful to me that I cannot quit. I want you to stand with me this morning. I just came this morning to encourage somebody, don't give up. I just came this morning to encourage some of you, don't give in. I just came to encourage somebody, don't quit this journey. We need you in the race. We need you. Tari, quit. Come on, ring out. It'd be easier, man. You know it'd be easier just to quit now and walk away, right? Come on, ring out. Come on, come on. Woody? Ring the bell, man. It'd be a lot easier. Your friends, you probably got friends that think you're nuts for being saved. You may even have family members that say he's crazy for following Christ. Come on, ring the bell. It'd be a lot easier.
Brittany, you want to ring it? Right now's your chance. Walk away now. No. Lifers. Lifers. Can I tell you who's under the sound of my voice this morning? There are people under the sound of my voice who have quit. Oh, I know you still come to church because that's what we're supposed to do. But you quit. Emotionally, spiritually, relationally, you've disconnected. Can I encourage you this morning? Hear me. Get back in the race. We need you. We're depending on you. We're counting on you. Don't give up. Don't give up. And then there are people under the sound of my voice who are going through it right now. And they're tired. Maybe you're broken. And maybe you do need somebody to wrap their arm around you and say, you know what? It's going to be okay. Because the Bible says in Acts that during church services, they would encourage one another by singing psalms and songs and spiritual songs. You remember that? What are they doing? They're encouraging. Listen, if you're here this morning and you quit, get back in the game. I'm going to pray over you right now and ask you to get back in the game. Re-engage. Get back in Connect again relationally with somebody. Get in a small group. Get in a ministry team. Do something to engage with somebody relationally and get reconnected with the Lord. But if you're here this morning and you're disappointed, I want to tell you this morning, God knows and we're concerned too. Father, this morning, I know that under the sound of my voice, there are people who have quit. They're here physically. Maybe week after week. But they walk out of here every week and they're disconnected and they're not engaged and they've thrown in the towel. And they don't feel anything from anybody and they don't feel anything or experience anything with you. Father, I pray this morning that you would get us back in the race right now. Father, if there's one this morning that has rung out, I pray right now that you would grab their heart and re-enlist them in this fight. And I speak strength to them right now. And Father, I also pray for those under the sound of my voice that are discouraged. They haven't quit, but they've been thinking about it. They haven't rung out yet, but they're thinking about it, and they're really close to it. They've gone through it. It's been a tough season. Father, I pray that in their spirit right now, right now, they would hear these words roll over in their spirit. In due season. I pray that they would not shrink back. I pray that they would not quit. I pray that you would wrap your arms as we sung this morning. You would wrap your arms around them right now and encourage them so that they don't give up, so they don't ring out. Because you didn't call us just to start the race. You want us to finish this race. So, Father, for wherever there is discouragement, I pray that now you would, which discouragement means lack of courage, the absence of courage. I pray that now what you would do is bring encouragement 
And if we walked into this place without any courage, I pray that as we walk out this morning, we would now be encouraged and we would have enough strength and enough endurance left to walk out this journey. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Steve, I'm not going to, I'm not going to draw this out. We've got to move here. If you're here and you're discouraged, I just want to know so I can pray for you. I just want to know from my personal prayer life that I can call you by name. If you're incur- if you're discouraged and you're about, you feel like quitting. I didn't say you quit. I said you feel like quitting. There are moments you have felt like throwing in the towel and quitting. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand quickly and pull it right back down. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. Ready to give up. I thought so. This is what I want us to do. Before we leave, I need you to do this. I'm going to pray one last prayer, and then we're going to do this as our dismissal together. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, and I want you to find one person at least, maybe two. Don't wimp out on me. Don't do this little thing, I love you, man, or I need you, man. I want you to find somebody and allow the Holy Spirit to use you, and I want you to do it holy, but I want you to do that. I want you to wrap them up in your arms. And I believe one thing's going to happen is they're going to not feel your arms. They're going to feel God's arms. And I want you to tell them this. I need you. Meaning this. If you go up there and ring out, it will devastate my life. And I need you. Father, I pray that we would be sensitive to your spirit and that you would use us this morning as vehicles by which you can minister to folks that are discouraged. Some of the folks standing around us right now have, they raised their hands and said, I feel like giving up. And I pray this morning that right now you would use us. I pray that when I slip my arms around them, they would genuinely feel the arms of God wrap around them and they would feel surrounded by your love and father i pray that when i say to them i need you it would be like jesus speaking over them and they would literally hear you say to them don't give up don't ring out those that endure to the end will be saved i pray that in the name of jesus Let us find the one that needs to hear it. In Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Find somebody right now. Allow the Holy Spirit to direct you to that person or those people that need to hear it. Hug them up. Wrap them up in your arms this morning.
It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.